This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby. I work in the mayor's office. Joined now by the 50th Mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher. Thank you, Graham. Good to be with you. All right, so this week, the budget is released. And before we get into any specifics about it, I wanted to ask you, it seems like any time I've heard budget stories or people talking about budgets at the state, federal, local level, whatever, one of the things that we hear is that government should follow the same principles that people follow when they're doing their, their family budget at the kitchen table or that a, a business follows when it's setting its budget. You've done family budgets. You've been in business. Now you're in government. How do those things, how are those things similar and how are they different in terms of setting a budget? Well, a lot of it depends on how much money you have to work with, right? So if you start with taking care of the basics, whether you're in a family budget, a business budget, or a government budget. So let's say the basics for a, a family are food, shelter, uh, transportation. And the basics for a city budget would be uh, public safety, solid waste, uh, issues like that so that you make sure that you have your basic infrastructure set before you start building on top of that. And what about comparing a, a business, budgeting for a business versus budgeting for government? I think it's pretty similar, actually. You want to take care of the daily work of what your enterprise is. So in business, that could be manufacturing or service. In, in the government, it's the delivery of our basic services. Government is a service business, but then you want to improve those all the time. So you want to innovate. You could do that through uh, more affordable housing, let's say. You can do it through our investment in performance improvement that we have. And then you also, in business, you want to be having new products that are breakthrough products. So that would be innovation in the eyes of what we're doing in, in government. So that could be, let's say, completing the Northeast Regional Library this year and completing our regional library system. It could be investing in the track on Ali that will be, you know, big steps forward for the community. So you hope to have that success in business when you introduce new products or services. So you have to fund each of those areas to make sure that you get the results that you're looking for. So in terms of prioritization, that's basically the same across the three different yeah, take, genres of budgets. Take care of the essentials uh, to live, to operate, improve on top of those, and then innovate on top of those. Okay. Are there specific responsibilities or factors in setting a budget for a city government that don't apply in business or family? You know, I, th I think uh, government is a service business. Uh, the difference is is that everybody in the city is on our team. You don't select your citizens. You know, when you're running a business, you can select who your employees are, who your suppliers are. So we have a much broader social mission with city government, uh, which is really the exciting part about running a government is how do you make sure that people's human potential is flourishing. So it's that softer side, if you would, that maybe you don't see as much in businesses. And businesses, you're constantly training into your people so that they can expand their potential. So you can use that same analogy as it relates to social services. But we have a lot more complicated issues. Let's say in the government, we have to deal with opioid abuse. Uh, so you're funding things like a needle exchange or office for addiction services or Centerstone or the living room project where people can be dropped off when they're in crisis as opposed to be going to the jail. You don't see that type of investment uh, taking place in business budgets, but it's an essential part of a city budget. It strikes me you also have to invest in things that aren't profitable. Well, I don't look at it that way. I, I think when you make these type of investments, you're investing in the collective potential of your city. 
And so people might be in crisis. Uh, that certainly is a, a drain on themselves and their family in the city. But if you can redirect that or turn that around, that increases the collective potential of your city. So uh, that, to me, is what's exciting about a city. You know, it's a platform for human potential to flourish. Some things and some businesses or some people are doing really great. Others are, are hard on their luck right now, but that's natural. So how do you utilize all the resources that your city has to get the most amount of good for the most amount of people? And that's one of the things, frankly, that drew me to public service. There's a lot of money in governments that when they're directed properly can really elevate the quality of life for everybody. What's an example of something that the city's invested in that you feel like it's done that? Our Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods is directed at uh, folks in neighborhoods that might be going through difficult times, might have concentrated areas of violence, could have uh, youth that have been involved with criminal justice system that have not grown up or been born into uh, privileged positions. So our Safe and Healthy Neighborhood has been able to develop programs like ReImage, for instance, that's directed toward youth aged 16 to 24 that have been involved with the criminal justice system that want to get on a positive pathway. We've had 400 people go through that program and only a 5% recidivism rate. So I look at that as a tremendous success. 380 young folks that are now have a degree, uh, have a job, have a outlook for the future that's bright and hopeful. That, to me, is a phenomenal investment. Even if it's not something that translates into strict dollars and cents. Well, look, look at it from uh, the asset side is now here are 380 people that are contributing to their families and to the community in a really positive way. You know, think about it on the other side, that if they said, well, we're not going to contribute peacefully and productively. Think about the drain on themselves, the family, and the cost of society. So it's a very proactive way to build what people want to do, which is to be positive and to be proactive. They just need a little help because they were born into an environment that was not conducive to that. So for us to gather our resources together as a city and figure out ways how to resource situations like that, to me, is a huge win for everybody involved. I've heard you describe that before. Is if you invest, investing in people and the friend in this way, it helps prevent investments you'd have to, expenses you'd have to have later if people are going through the justice system, addiction services, things like that. Yeah, we've got many of our systems in our country are backwards, right? So for instance, I think we should have high quality universal pre-K so that when kids show up at kindergarten, there's not a three-year gap between advantaged kids and under-resourced kids. And the under-resourced kids then are fighting constantly to catch back up. And it's hard to do that when you have that kind of three-year gap. But as a society, we kind of resist that type of upfront investment, but then we don't resist the cost of incarceration, let's say. So we've got it backwards. I can tell you from my business standpoint, when you're designing a new product, you put major emphasis on the upfront side of that new product. So when it comes to the market, you know, it's right, it's perfect. You're not going to want to kind of have a product recall and say, well, we didn't get it quite right there, but we'll put investment in it right now. Then you got a service problem, we'll take care of that. No business would do that. And so government needs to rethink how we're investing in a lot of these programs for our people. So as much as we can do up front, the stronger that will make us as a city. So this budget, 
you kind of talked about some of the basic principles you have that you bring to the process of figuring out a budget. And you've got a whole team, the Office of Management and Budget, who's won a bunch of awards, by the way, um, who works with you to, to kind of translate that into numbers. For this budget here, I know there are some, some challenges that go along with it. Talk a little bit about those. Well, first off, we've got a really sound fiscal shop here. Our Office for Management and Budget has been recognized nationally for excellence multiple years in a row now. Uh, the major bond rating agencies out there, S&P and Fitch and Moody's, we have some of the strongest ratings of any city government in the country as well. So we've got a good, sound fiscal ship here. So that's important so that you can deliver excellence and build further excellence uh, in the future. We've got great momentum in the city right now in terms of $13 billion of capital investment, lots of new jobs, low unemployment rate, r rising wages. That's all good. But when you take a look at this budget, we've got some challenges. We have $25 million in new revenue, so that's moderate growth. But immediately off the bat, we've got about $9.5 million of increased pension costs from the decisions coming down from Frankfurt. And we have about $9.5 million of additional costs of health care insurance for the employees of the city. We were able to maintain really low percentage growth for health care costs these past three years, but does not look like it's going to take uh, place this year. So that's a challenge for us. So most of the new revenue growth has been eaten up by those, new, by those issues. We're addressing that through a variety of ways. Uh, one, we're, we're anticipating some attrition of our workforce that we see naturally every year with 6,000-plus employees. Uh, we're not going to be replacing about 49 of those folks. So that might have a slight impact on uh, service delivery times in some of our operations around the city. But we're working through it. We, it's important that we keep this renaissance that we've got going on in our city right now with $13 billion of construction taking place around the community right now. Uh, and I feel like we're doing that in the budget. But uh, there's no question that it's been a more difficult budget because of the increase in cost of uh, both pensions and employee health care. So take us through a couple of the highlights of things that you are investing in in this budget. Well, let's start with public safety because that's always the biggest part of any budget. It's 55 percent of our budget when you increase the uh, – it's 55 percent of our budget when you include, you know, the major cost centers like uh, LMPD – uh, fire, corrections, our Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods is part of that as well. So we're basically uh, have 145 LMPD recruits in this budget, 43 Louisville Fire recruits to fill expected openings. We're putting $2 million into our Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods to fund restorative justice and youth violence prevention programs. That works very much hand-in-hand uh, -hand with our police department to decrease uh, crime in the city. We've seen a nice six-month trend of decreasing uh, crime and violent crime in our city, so we want to keep uh, building on that type of uh, progress. So you start with public safety. We want to keep our job growth uh, going, so we're investing in workforce housing as well, $12 million in the affordable housing initiatives this coming year. Then I get to ask this question all the time. is like, these roads are too bumpy. I agree. It's been very difficult. We had a bunch of tough budgets coming out of the recession, but these last several budgets – We've been able to invest north of $20 million to pave roads and fix sidewalks. So you'll see that again in this budget. When you see uh, big capital projects we're looking at this year, I've got a lot of excitement to complete the Northeast Regional Library in Linden. That's a phenomenal facility. Just did a walkthrough on that the other day. Uh, the new indoor track and field facility in West Louisville at 30th and Ali is going to be incredible as well. We're going to continue to invest in our parks 
There's a half million dollar match from the Olmstead Parks Conservancy. And we're making an investment at 18th and Broadway of about a half million dollars when you include the investment helping the new YMCA along with some infrastructure improvements. So all that's in there, and then a lot of stuff in education and technology to help with out-of-school time and uh, workforce readiness. And then last, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the opioid problem. We have $650,000 in this budget for the Living Room Project, which is designed to serve adults that are having substance uh, use disorder or serious mental illness problems, but they don't need to go to the jail. So they can stabilize here for a day and, and then get on a better path from there. So you put that together with quality of life initiatives like uh, tree canopy, $600,000 for tree to combat urban heat island. It's a good balanced budget, but you always want more. Sounds like what you, the feeling you have when you do your family budget. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, here's what we can do. Here's what we're not going to do. Can we save a little more? Can I work a little extra overtime? How about if I get a part-time job? I mean, all of these kind of decisions you make it at your kitchen table are the same that we make when we put this budget together. So let's talk a little bit about the process. So you've delivered the budget to the Metro Council. Now what happens? L- little background. We've been working on this budget for about five or six months, and then I present it to the Metro Council, and then over the next six weeks or so, they will be working, asking questions. We'll be having people from our administration go and provide testimony and background on what we're proposing. They'll have some ideas on what possibly could be helpful. We'll respond to those with research and feedback. And then a final budget will be put together that we all agree on. And then that will be voted on by the Metro Council, and then it goes into effect on July the 1st. So we call that our new fiscal year. All right. Uh, Mayor, thanks very much. This is a really important document here, the budget. It reflects the values of the city, and some people see it as a very dry process. But because it defines what kind of dollars we're going to be spending over this next year, it has a major impact on the city. And we got great momentum right now. So we just want to make sure that keeps going for the city overall, but make sure everybody feels like they're part of a bright and connected future, and the budget has a lot to say about that. Greg Fisher, he's the 50th mayor of Louisville. Mayor, thanks for stopping by. Okay. Look forward to the next one. If you want more information on the budgets, go to louisvilleky.gov. We put all the budget info front and center on the website this week. And if you want to find out more about what the mayor is up to, he's in constant motion. You can follow him on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can also subscribe to this podcast, a move we heartily endorse, through Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby. Our producer is Joe Lord. Thanks for listening.